Thank you for being so kind. Thank you so much, Pastor Dudley. I really appreciate you. Um, you know, just your message and everything, and just being a brother and being a friend, and just being a godly man, and you're entrusting me with your church, and you're not being here. And this, today is a, a great day for fathers and for all of us as Father's Day. Let's give fathers all the fathers a hand. Yes. I also want to thank my friend, Pastor Josh, who's the sports ministry here, I believe, and he's somewhere here. I don't know. Josh did an incredible program with me coming to St. Louis and, you know, just to share my story and to share what God has done in my life. And I just think it's so important that we understand who Jesus is and what he really can do. You know, what he really can do in a life. He can meet a life right where it's at and he can change it forever and he changes it for, for the good. You know, because Jesus is good. If we really understand, we really understand and know no matter where you're at and how far you've been down, God's still got a plan. And it's greater than you can ever imagine. So let us pray. Father, we love you. We honor you. We praise you. Father, we give you glory because of who you are. Not anything great about us, but everything great about you. You are the great I am. Father, you meet us right where we're at. Somebody here today may be here and not, not sure if their life can be changed, not sure if their life matters. Father, I ask you, Holy Spirit, just speak the word of God, penetrate the heart of the people, saturate them, and may someone come out today and have victory over the enemy. We send this petition up to you right now. We ask that you seal it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, glory to God. Yes, give God a hand. Because I always think about it, you know, because I have to laugh at myself sometimes because, you know, I really wasn't always like this, you know. <laughs> I mean, I really wasn't. You know, I was a liar, cheater, womanizer, alcoholic. I was a heathen. I was a sinner. I was rich. I was famous but I would eventually be saved by grace. You know, in the midst of being all that and broken and separated and lost from God, God usually meet us right where we at. When we get to a place of being persistent and surrender ourselves, you have to be persistent to go after God and you have to surrender yourself to God daily. Not just one day, every day. You know, you got to surrender yourself. I mean, I, my, my feet hit the ground this morning. I woke up. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace and mercy that I don't deserve. You gave, you give it to me anyway. See, that's every day that we have to come to that place in our life and believe that God will do something crazy for us. Because he will. He's waiting to do something crazy for you. He's already done it for me. He's waiting for some of you in here today to do something crazy for you, you know, because that's what he does. He's got this crazy love for you. You know, you, you might not love him, but he loves you. Even in the midst of your brokenness, I didn't love God, and I didn't know God, and my mother was praying for me while I was living the heathen life, and she was praying, God, please, please knock my son off of his throne and save him. A praying mother. Something great about it. See, my mother went home to be with the Lord at the age of 55 from terminal breast cancer. But she was praying for me that God would save me and knock me off my throne. 
and he did. Her prayers came to pass. You know? And that's the goodness, that's the goodness of someone praying for you. Someone is praying for you, and my mother was praying for me, and my wife was praying for me, and, and here I am, you know, transformed by the blood of the Lamb, you know. Not anything great about me is because of the blood of the Lamb. I'm an overcomer because of the blood of the Lamb. I'm a victory because of what Jesus has already done on the cross. And when you understand who Jesus is, Jesus is a man just like me, but he was a holy man. He's a man with no sin in him, so he's holy and righteous. So what does he do when he comes and his blood comes into you, it purifies you, it liberates you, it redeems you, it brings you to wholeness and righteousness. You no longer have to live a sinful life. Because I always look at it and understand that I am a sinner, I just don't practice anymore. <laughs> See, it's a big difference of living a life of sin, and it's a big difference of being a sinner because we all are sinners and we all will fall short. So my title today, I bought this message for you because God has it for you and God has been calling me to preach it because of everything that has happened over the past, whatever, past year and a half, you know, that we all been in the pandemic, COVID, uh, racial issues, everything in the nation. And he gave me this message that I started studying when I was sitting at home in the middle of the pandemic, and I remember the Holy Spirit was like, I was laying in bed and going into this depression, and the Holy Spirit was like, you better get up. What's wrong with you? And I said, what do you mean? He said, you better get up and study. God's got something for you. See, in the midst of all things that go on in our life, God has something for you if you pay attention and listen. And the title is, is when things happen, when things happen, when you lose your job, when you have marital problems, when you have problems with your kids, when you have sickness, and you have all these things happening, and you're in the midst of a storm, what do you do? Because things will happen. Storms of life are real. Either you're in a storm or a storm on the way, or you're coming out of a storm. Because the storms of life are real, nobody gets past it. But when they happen, who do we trust? Who do we believe in? Who, who are we looking to for our answers when we go through this process of going through the storms of life? Because we're all going to go through the storms. None of us can get away from the storms of life because they're real. Who do you trust? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord in all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Too many of us don't trust, and we lean on our own understanding. Too many of us don't trust what this Bible said. This Bible has been here forever. I don't know what took me so long to pick it up. I was picking up everything else except this. <laughs> Just like most people, we'll pick up everything else, but we won't pick up this. And it talks about, the Bible says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. There's no knowledge and understanding of God's Word. That's the reason why I was perishing. I had all these earthly things that were right in front of me because the devil tempts us with all these earthly things and tell you all these earthly things is good. You can have all this, but he wants to keep you away from having this because if you have this, you're going to have the victory over everything else. Because you remember when Jesus went up into the wilderness, 
He was sent up into the wilderness by the Spirit, and the devil tempted him in Matthew 4, 4, and he said, I'll give you all this if you just bow down and submit yourself to me. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He said, it's the Word of God. See, the Word of God has power in it, wonderful work and power in it. The Word of God is greater than anything that you will ever receive in your life and you will ever taste in your life. When things happen, trust in the Lord. Are you trusting in the Lord? John 14, 1 says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. If you believe in God, also believe in me. If you believe in God, you believe in who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? Even in the midst of everything that's happening. Well, who is he? He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for your iniquity. By his stripes, by his stripes, you get to be healed. You get to live an abundant life if you trust in the Lord. You get to live a different life if you come to a different place and different understanding. See, God will fill you with his word if you taste and see that the Lord is good. See, if we taste in everything else, then we're missing out on what is really good. See, we taste in all these other things. And see, God was telling me, he said, why are you eating hamburger when you can eat steak? Why do you keep going to Burger King when you can eat this steak every night? But see, how did I get to this place of trusting in the Lord? I got through it because of my mother's prayer where God saved me. And then it was my wife who he would use to lead me back to the cross. God's got a great sense of humor. He used two women to straighten me out. Come on now. He's got a great sense of humor, people. And when you get to know him, he really does have a great sense of humor because those two women would eventually play the biggest roles in my life that he would use. My wife, she would lead me back to the Lord. You know, 19 years ago, she was pulling me out of dope houses in South Florida. I was shooting dope, smoking crack, and I was $3 million in debt, and I wanted to die. And she was like saying, God's got a plan for you when she was pulling me out. I was like... Why don't you and that God just leave me here and let me die? She says, you're just not that lucky. <laughs> and guess what? I turned out not to be that lucky. Because God would go on to transform my life because of her obedience to him to come get me. And he would use her as an example. I would watch her follow God principles when I was lost, and I watched her get up every morning at 5.30 in the morning to be with God, to study God's Word. And I was like, God, I'm not getting up at 5.30. But I realized that, and I asked God one day, I said, why are you using her so much? He says, because she spends time with me. He was like, when are you going to start spending time? So guess what, fathers? I had to turn off the television, turn off the cell phone, and I had to saturate myself with the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit supernaturally came up on me. When you get the desire that you want everything that God has for you, call upon the Holy Spirit. He'll supernaturally ascend upon you. He supernaturally ascended upon me and started teaching me the Bible, supernaturally. I started hiding in the room when she went to sleep at night, 
with the word of God. So when we are facing these storms in our life, we are being challenged in our walk. Where are you with God? Not where are we with everything else. Everything else is going to be here. The fake news is always going to be here. It's never going anywhere. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but not my word. I'm going to die, you're going to die, but the word of God is not going to pass away. He's always going to take it. He's always going to download it on somebody that says yes. When a man can get rid of his ego, which is a three-letter word, I always said, easing God out. When you can get rid of your ego and bring about humility to yourself, God will use you mightily for his glory. See, God is not, he's not interested in how educated you are. He's more interested in, can you humble yourself? Can you submit to me? Can you follow my principles instead of these worldly principles? Because we're very good at following the worldly principles. Even when things happen, we still don't trust in the Lord. We still don't, we lean on our own understanding but we don't acknowledge him in all our ways. See, I acknowledge God in everything that I do because I'm not capable of preaching the gospel. I'm not qualified. And I know when God called me 13 years ago to preach the gospel, I said, you got the wrong guy. He says, no, I got the right guy. I says, I'm not qualified to preach the gospel. He says, no one is qualified to preach the gospel. I qualify the call. But see, when you start hearing the voice of God, it doesn't sound like anything else. It sounds like God. When things happen, are we trusting in the Lord? You must trust and know God did not create it, the storms. God does not create the storms. He allows us to go through the storms. You got to go through the storms to get to what God has for you. If you go through the storms, you will get to what God has for you. You must pass the test. The problem with us is we don't want to pass the test. We want instant gratification fix on everything instead of passing the test. I had to pass the test at every step that I was going through. God sat me for seven years. I had to sit for seven years when God found me in a pit, and he said he's going to put me in a pool pit, and he put me in a pool pit after he found me in a pit. But I had to sit for seven years and get discipled. So many of us don't want to be discipled. We want to do it our own way, and then we want to, be, we want to say, well, I can preach, and I can stand in a pool pit, but I tell you one thing, this pool pit is nothing to play with. And I remember when God called me, he says, don't play in this pulpit because people's lives are, will be affected if you play about this good news here and you live a different way. This is not a game. This is for us to understand that God did not create the storms. The storms are real. You must trust that God's plan still stands. God's plan still stands. No matter what, no matter what, no matter how broken you are, how far you down, it doesn't matter. Everybody in the Bible had issues. Moses had a speech impediment. God used him mightily to lead the Israelites out of bondage. 400 years of slavery. Israel's, the Israelites could have been in the promised land 11 days. They complained so much, God sent them in the wilderness for another 40 years. One thing I do love about God, he'll leave you right where you're at. Because he's, he's a merciful God and a loving God but he's not a pushy God. He'll wait on you. Those that wait upon the Lord renew their what? Strength. 
If you wait up on the Lord, you renew your strength in everything, everything, every area. If you don't get ahead of things, you don't get ahead and don't think God's plan still doesn't stand. God's plan still stands in your life. There's a calling on everybody. He created this for everybody. He created everybody to come to the place and taste and see how good he was. It's up to us as people to get out of ourselves and get into the supernatural instead of the natural. You think about David. David was a womanizer. Put his best man Uriah on the front line to get killed so he can have his wife Bathsheba. God goes on to say, he's a man after my own heart. His plan still stands. Doesn't matter how far you, you think you are away from God, his plan for your life still stands. You must trust God will turn it around for your good. God turns it around for the good. And, I, and the reason why I say that, because I, I look at Jonah, and, he, and, and God told him to go over to Nineveh to tell him to repent. He jumps on a boat to go to Tarshish the other way. God throws him in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. You think God don't have a plan? Ask Jonah. <laughs> Threw him a belly of a fish for three days and three nights, and then spit him out, and Jonah goes and tells him to repent. And guess what happens when he tells him to repent? The whole city gets saved. God used one man to save a whole city. Jonah was mad at God and sitting under the tree. He was mad because God was saved that whole city because they were Gentiles like us, and they were acting like a bunch of pagans. And God told Jonah, from now on, my grace will be for all. Everybody will be able to get to grace. See, Jonah was a Jewish. Moses was a Jewish. All these Jewish people are the chosen people. And they've been chosen by God himself. But they had the same kind of issues that we had. They struggled with what we struggle with. Peter, Peter saw the miracles of Christ, and he was with Christ. And Peter ended up denying Christ three times. And Peter was so shameful and hurt and broken he has to be crucified upside down. How would you want to be crucified? Well, I think about how God saved me, and I don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve his mercy, but he gave it to me anyway. So I, de I decided that I'm going to take advantage of the grace and mercy that he gave to me, and I decided that I'm going to use it to glorify him and his kingdom. I'm not going to talk about me and all the things that I accomplished because they're meaningless anyway. When you go to the book of Ecclesiastes and you go to King Solomon and he was the richest, wisest man in the land of Jerusalem and you go and read about him in the book of Ecclesiastes, he writes the book of Proverbs of wisdom and knowledge and then he goes write this book here and you hear the sorrow in him because guess what? He strayed away from God and he said it's all meaningless under the sun without God. It all means nothing. So every earthly thing that I accomplish and every earthly thing that we achieve here, it means nothing. It's under, under, without God, it means nothing. From the earthly things that we try to achieve to satisfy our soul, to make people say, look at me, and I was great. I was nothing. I was just a baseball player. Jesus is not concerned about home runs. <laughs> Jesus' concern is all going to be well in your soul. He's concerned that you would come to have eternal life. He would, he would, he's concerned that you know that he's the king of kings, that he's the Messiah, that he's coming back. He, they don't know. We, this is like uh, the scribes and the Pharisees didn't know who he was hanging on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? Then he says, his last words on that cross was incredible. It is finished. 
Everything that could kill us, Jesus already killed it. He went to the tomb early Sunday morning. He got up from the tomb. When he got up from the tomb, he got up with all power in his hand because he was resurrected. And when you die, you get to be just like Jesus, resurrected. You get to be like Galatians 2.20 talks about it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. It's Christ who rule and reign over your life. You don't get any better than that. Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. He's the gateway to everything that is lacking in your life. Whatever you're missing, whatever I was missing, whatever I was lacking in my life, Jesus has it for you. You don't need that man to make you feel well. You don't need that woman to make you feel well, brothers. You need Jesus to make you feel well. Because nobody else can make you feel that way. So what are you saying? There are going to be storms, but we got to operate in faith. Romans 10, 17. So the faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. It is in the Word of God when you dive in there for yourself and start hanging out with God, you're going to meet God because He's in the book. He's everywhere, but He's in His book. That's what I love about Him. He's everywhere, but He's in His book. He's in it. And He will give you the revelation of who you are if you come to the place of believing. You have to come to that place of believing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Romans 12, 2, and it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing, the renewing. Wash your, wash your, wash your brain out with the word. Clean it. Purify it. That, that word will purify you up here. It'll, clean, it'll cleanse your eyes. It'll make you holy. Bring you to a better understanding of who you are. Don't have to hold on to the old thing. So many of us hold on to the old thing. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I can't get to the new if I'm still holding on to the old. If I'm sitting around talking about trophies and championships and I play for the mess, Dodgers, Yankees, I will never be able to get to the new what God has for me. God has something new every day for you. Every day he has something new. It's those that believe. Was Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to his power that works in us. See, this Jesus, he's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. When you start walking, see, I didn't, I, I've met a lot of people, but I never met nobody like Jesus. This is a bad dude when you meet this guy, Jesus. He walked on water, and he did so many other miracles. He wait, he's waiting to do a miracle in your life, even when things happen. He's waiting to do a miracle in your life. He is the miracle maker behind the scenes. See, we can sing songs and worship, but do you believe it? 
Some of us come here and we just sit here. Have no idea what's going on. Well, I'm here to tell you, we're worshiping the king. Do you believe it? He loves you. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. For the wages of sin is death. No, that's Romans. Sorry about that. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Perfect. Do you know what perfect is? And I meant to say Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life. See, not just the life. See, I had a life before when I put on the baseball uniform, but this is eternal life here. That baseball uniform wasn't getting me into the kingdom. It wasn't getting me into heaven. See, we need to get to that place where we need to understand and we need to stop just saying, everybody's going to heaven. This book tells you you're not going to heaven if you don't obey this book. Everybody's not getting into heaven. It don't work like that. You got to come to the place of believing God and trusting God and walking with God. Even when you can't see it, even when you don't know it, he's working it out for you. You have to come to that place trusting and believing that he's going to do it. And it's not an overnight miracle. So, I, I, church, I need you to understand, Shepherd Church, don't look, like, don't look for an overnight miracle. It's not an overnight miracle with God. It's a wonderful process. Because it, had he gave me everything and put me in a poor pit when I wasn't ready, he knew. He said, the devil will destroy you. Jesus says it too in John 10, 10. He says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, I have come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. What is our abundant life? Peace, joy, wisdom, knowledge, power, far greater than stuff. So many of us think it's the stuff, the earthly things that's going make to make us well, and they will never, ever, ever, ever make you well. And it will not get you into the kingdom. You will get into the kingdom of God when you understand this book and you start living according to these biblical principles and not living at what man is saying. See, because had I listened to man, they said I was dead. They're right, the old me is dead. Why? Because of grace. Not because anything great about me. It's because of the grace of God. It's because God loved me right in the midst of my sins. And he takes us right in the midst of our sins and transforms us for his good. And all you have to do is come to that place believing. John 3.30 talks about he must increase, but I must decrease. See, it's the scriptures. It's the scriptures that Christians don't know. Billy Graham talked about that. He said Christians do not know scriptures. That's why they do not have victory. See, if you know the scriptures, you have victory over the enemy. 
Because the enemy knows the word, Lucifer, he was in heaven, Satan himself, and he got kicked out of heaven because he wanted to be bigger than God. So he plays this game with all of us and make us all believe that we're broken and lost and we can never get well. Well, I'm here to tell you, Shepherd Church, the devil is a liar. He has no authority. We can't get, keep giving him the authority. He has no authority over my life. Jesus rule and reign over my life. And when I get to the point of understanding that, coming to the point of believing, and that's why the book of John is so great. The book of John is rich with Jesus. The book of John is about believing. Believing Jesus, believing, yes, he's the miracle maker. He turned water into wine, feeding the 5,000, raised Lazarus from the dead. He told Nicodemus in John 3, unless one is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the second birth, not the first birth of all of us sitting here in the natural, but he's talking about the spiritual birth, which is far greater than any birth that you will ever receive. John 4, there's no secrets. A lot of us think, well, no secrets, God don't see us. And there's no secrets in our life. Well, John 4, he told that woman at the well about her five husbands, say the one you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> I remember when God called me. He said, by the way, you need to know I saw everything you were doing. I was like, everything? <laughs> there's no secrets. You know, he saw that woman at the well, and he told that woman at that well about that water that they were drinking in that well. He told her, you're going to always have a thirst drinking that water. But he said, I got this living water. I got this living water. You'll never, I have never, ever, ever, Shepherd Church, hear me, ever, ever thirst again since I've been drinking that living water. What is the living water? The living water is the Word of God. It's living, it's alive, it's well, it's freedom, it's liberty. It's joy, it's peace, it's love. We as a nation have come to a place of hating each other and not liking each other because of the color of skin. God is not coming for a color of skin. He's coming for holy people. Y'all better understand this. The society is trying to fool us and blind us and make us believe it's about all that so you can get your eyes off the cross. The symbol of the cross is holy. Jesus is holy. He's coming back for holy people. The enemy's trying to fool us and deceive us. He's been doing it forever. Then John 5. You think about John 5. It's called the Pool of Bethesda. Well, a man sat there and he was paralyzed for 38 years. Paralyzed and he sat there. The angels disturbed the pool and the first one would get in would get well. But he sat there. That, what I love about Jesus it's Jesus never asked that man about his condition. Jesus don't need to know, your, uh, know about your condition because he already knows it. Whatever condition you walked in here today, he already knows it. God already knows it. Jesus already knows the condition that you're in. And he just asked that man one thing. He said, do you want to be well? And the man says, sir, every time I try to get up in the pool, he's not talking about the excuses. Get over the excuses in life. God said today, do you want to be well? 
The man said, finally said, yes. He said, pick up your bed and walk, made him well just like that. Jesus is a bad dude. We don't give him enough credit for who he is. We don't think he's alive. He's been resurrected. He's alive and well. He's doing miracles like he was doing then. He's doing miracles today. He found me in a pit and put me in a pulpit. He's, he's made a miracle out of my life. I can't make a miracle out of my life. Only Jesus can make a miracle out of your life. Then there's John 8, the woman caught in adultery. They were pointing at her sin. Don't point at somebody else's sin and say, look at them, ooh, ooh, ooh. That's what the Sadducees and the scribes and the Pharisees was doing, pointing at this woman's sin. Because they wanted to stone her because of the law of Moses. Jesus didn't come here to destroy the law. He came here to fulfill the law. And Jesus was stooping down in the sand and just riding. And he says, he who without sin, when he rose up, cast the first stone. From the oldest to the youngest, dropped their stones and walked away. Why? Because they all had fallen short. The Bible didn't say some of us would fall short. It says we all will fall short of the glory of God. Every last one of us will because of Adam and Eve. The beginning will fall short. So don't point at someone else's sin. Pray for them that they would be restored and touched by God. Be a Christian. And Jesus asked the lady that was caught in adultery, where are your accusers? Has anyone accused you? She said, no. He said, go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. God wants to free you wherever you are. And the last one, Mark 5. Woman had a blood issue for 12 years. And she heard that Jesus was coming through the crowd. And she thought with her head and her heart, if I could only get to Jesus, read the text. She paid doctors and spent all kind of money to get well, and she never got well. And she heard that Jesus was coming. And she made her way through the crowd and got through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment, and she was made well immediately, just like that. Jesus was like, who touched me? His disciples were like, what do you mean all these people around you? See, what Jesus knew, the power that came out of Jesus healed somebody immediately. He knows who he is, and he knew that the power that came out of him, somebody had touched him, this lady had touched him, and she was healed immediately because the power that came out of Jesus. And she was scared and trembling, thought she was in trouble. And she was down, she had bowed down that, to Jesus. And you know what he said? This is what I love. She was scared that she was in trouble. She was about to say, sir, I'm sorry. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith, your faith will make you well. Your faith will make you well. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. So as we sit here today, there's some of you here today that probably need to make a decision where you're at. Make a decision in your heart with God. As you close your eyes, everyone close your eyes. As you close your eyes and you make a decision in your heart with God, God help me. 
God, help me trust you. Help me live for you. Whatever it is, whatever that decision is, I want you to make that decision today because I'm coming to the end of my, my time here. And I want you to make that decision to God. I don't need to know it. God knows it. He's a good God. And when you've made that decision, they're going to have some counselors through the left doors, double doors on the left side over here that you can go through. Maybe you need to know more about the church. Maybe you need to have prayer. Maybe you need to uh, come and know about being baptized or whatever it is and, and making a decision for Christ and changing your life and so that you can be transformed forever. Because he's a good God. He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. Whatever that is, and when you make that decision, I would ask that you, you know, that, that are here, make your way to where the counselors are over through that door and make a decision for God and become a Christian or whatever you need to do and make that decision. Don't wait. Don't say, wait, I'll wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow I may never get here. You know, and after this service is over, if that's you, you need to make a decision where the counselors are over there. Walk through that door, make a decision. You will never go wrong making that decision. I promise you, you will never go wrong. And I'm going to ask the congregation, please stand so I can pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to the hearts of the people. There are some here that needs to make a decision, and they'll walk through that double door over there. There's someone needs to be baptized. There's someone need to come back home, Father. We pray for them right now. I pray for this entire family, this Shepherd Church family, Pastor Dudley, and all his leaders, volunteers. I pray for them, Father. I pray for this Father Day weekend, Father, that the lives of fathers, men, will be touched. They will come into their rightful place. We thank you, God, because you're such a good God. We thank you for loving us when we cannot love ourselves. Father, we send this petition up to you tonight, and Father, we ask that you seal it over every person that is here today. We thank you for this day. You're such a great God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you, and have a great weekend, and happy Father's Day.